Hey guys, Kyler back with Kyler Burrell's Uneb Podcast, episode number 53. Um, big fights this weekend. Cannot wait uh, to kick off. We'll go over the fee segment. He's he's going to, this is what we're going to do every time. I'm, I'm kind of trying to do not like eight to nine segments anymore. Try to do three to five. Today we're doing five. One of them will be... Two of them will be a little bit more quick hitters, but we're going to dive into the fee segment. It's NFL Draft Edition. Uh, then we're going to do my way too early top 15 2023 NFL mock. Then I'll discuss each NBA series, biggest question for each series, how I think the series will play out, a couple combat sports headlines, and then we're going to dive into UFC 274. We're going to have the main card breakdown, odds and bets that I will be making, and uh, the fan fight picks, of course. Uh, the sta- we'll get to the standings as well when we get there. Let's dive into the fee segment. A lot of questions we got. See, let's see, we got this. He sent a lot last week. This is one, two. Last week I think it was twenty. This is two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, fifteen. And I think it was around that last week. So to start off, it's gonna be top three best and worst draft fits. So fits again. This isn't me saying um, this guy will be bad. I just think fit wise, how will it turn out fit wise? So we'll start off with best. I think Aiden Hutchinson to Detroit. It was the perfect, perfect fit for Detroit and Aiden Hutchinson. He's staying in Michigan. The way that they're going to play defense, hard-nosed. He's a tough-nosed guy. It, it's just, it just works. Um, I said that I would have gone with, if you were going, to me, it, it's, this isn't me saying that he, this is a compliment to him, not me saying he doesn't have any upside. I think he's going to come in and have an immediate impact in the NFL. I think guys like Walker, especially Walker, Thibodeau, a little, definitely less than Walker, could come in and struggle right away. Thibodeau, I don't think, he might not have this, I don't know though, Thibodeau is so good, because I said that I would have gone Thibodeau first, but I would have definitely gone Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and then Walker, you know, I would have Walker as my third edge, um, I thought Hutchinson probably should have been the number one pick if you were going edge, because I think, like I said, I think he still has upside, and I think he comes in and has an immediate impact, and I think it's just going to, him and Detroit are going to be a match made in heaven, it's going to be unreal. Uh, my next best fit, Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton to Baltimore at 14. I thought that was unreal that they were able to get him at 14. I had him as the number one overall player in my class. Uh, I actually had two defensive backs, Hamilton one, Sauce Gardner two, and then Hutchinson, Thibodeau, three, four. Um, but again, safety, positional value, he's going to fall. And that's why I had him mocked at 11. He went a little he went a little, he went a little farther than that to 14. Baltimore's got to be thrilled he was there. Again, I just think coming into that defensive system, he's gonna be he's gonna be ready to play immediately. I, I think he's a day one starter for sure. Um, like I said, I thought he was the best player in this class overall wise. Um, yeah, I just think it was a Baltimore, you know, set there. More like yeah, let's uh, let's take let's sit here. All that happened for the you know the run receivers, eight, ten, eleven, twelve were receivers, and then. Philly traded up to 13, and a lot of people think that Baltimore was going to draft Jordan Davis if he fell to 14, but they were like, they had like three guys on their list there uh, that they were going to take. Um, 
who was the other one? I know it was I know it was Jordan Davis, Kyle Hamilton. And there was one other they had. I can't remember who it was. There was one other they were like, we're going to stay here. After the receivers started going, like, we'll just, we're not trading up now. We'll stay here. And we, like, two to three guys, Jordan Davis and Hamilton were their their top two. They were able to get Hamilton. And let's go into the third one. <laughs> Tyler Lunder bombed to Baltimore at 25. So Baltimore then trades, pick 20, or then trades Hollywood Brown for pick 23. Um, another weapon for Kyle Murray. We'll get into that in a bit. Then they trade back. Uh, somebody traded up. Bills, Bills traded up to get Kyrie Elam. I don't know if they thought the Cowboys were gonna take a corner, but hey, if you like your guy, go get him. But then, dude, Lunderbaum at twenty five. This is why I wanted the Cowboys to take at twenty four. Um, again, immediate starter. He's going to he's going to be an immediate starter for them. The Baltimore nailed this first round as much as the Jets did. I thought the Jets had the best overall first round and probably the best first four picks you could have, getting Brees Hall at their running back position, Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, who I thought was the best receiver, and I thought they got the second overall player and the best corner in the draft, Sauce Gardner. Jets nailed it, but the Baltimore, they're going to, this is the look at, I'm guessing this is what Baltimore was thinking, not taking a receiver like Traylon Brooks or Christian Watson or Jahan Dotson at 14 was, I think that they they think they're going to sign one or one or two of those vets that are still out there. Uh, Will Fuller, Julio, OBJ, Jarvis Landry. I'm guessing they think they're going to sign one of them. So that's why they went defense with Hamilton, best player in the draft, best interior lineman in the draft, Tyler Linderbaum. They nailed it. Those are the best fits. And again, these aren't me saying these guys are going to be bust because actually there's only one guy that I think out of these four, out of these six, that I think maybe maybe the two receivers, but we'll get to worse. So I Stingley to Houston. People are going to say, you know, he's with Lovey Smith. How's that a bad fit? Well, Houston's just not good. He's going to come in and be on an island right away. Uh, I just don't I just don't think going to Houston right now is a great fit. They're just a, not a good franchise right now. People can say that, you know, they're turning it and stuff. Well, we'll see. We'll see if they are. Um, I just don't think it's a good fit for Stingley and I was, you know. So I think I had him mocked at 10 to the Jets, who end up taking sauce. I thought that would have been a good fit. I think their cornerback... Uh, core is a lot better than Houston's. Um, I also had him mocked to Minnesota at times, who traded back, obviously, but I think Minnesota would have been a great fit for him. they got some good vets in there he can learn from. I just don't think Houston's a great fit. Uh, second, Drake London to Atlanta. I would have probably put any receiver to Atlanta here, because, and especially Drake London, because I think guys like Wilson, Olave, and uh, Jameson Williams, they have a lot more tools as a receiver. I think Drake London's right now is strictly a home run guy, um, jump ball guy. Uh, and Marcus Mariota is going to be thrown to him, or Desmond Ritter. But that's why I don't think it's a great fit. Do I he, I could still see him working out because he's ultra-talented, ton of upside, but going to be a tough fit. Uh, Traylon Brooks to Tennessee is another one. Again, I don't think Tannehill's that good of a quarterback. Um, you know, they have they have Robert Woods. But I just don't think Tannehill's that good. And then let's say Tannehill stinks it up. He's got a rookie, Malik Willis, who in my opinion has accuracy problems. That's why all these quarterbacks fell. Because the reason why all these quarterbacks fell, and I'm you know I'm surprised that Pickett was the first quarterback taken because they all have a ton of weaknesses right now. They all have a ton of growing to do, in my opinion. This is why I wasn't surprised though that you know Willis, Corral, Ritter, they all came out instead of using their an extra year. Because next year's class, we'll get into that mock draft, is incredible with quarterbacks. 
you know, I think there's going to be right now. I would have seven in a top in a first round mock. Um, so I just think it's a tough fit for Traylon Burks. That's the only reason why. Top three best value picks. Um, we talked about Linderbaum. So Linderbaum was a great value pick, and so was Hamilton. But we're going to go. I'm going to go a little bit different route. Tried. It's hard to go a different route in every one of them because there's such. There's they they all kind of run together. But I left Linderbaum and Hamilton, who I think are great value picks, out of this. I went Jets getting Jermaine Johnson at 26. That was insane. I had him in my in my last three mocks. I think I had him no lower than 13, and he goes 26. A lot of people had him going top 10. A lot of people had the Jets getting him at 10. So that's what's crazy. They and they said that he was in their top 10. He was on their top 10 board, top eight board. They got three of the guys they wanted that were in their top eight at four, 10, and 26. And then they got they got the running back they wanted badly, in Brees Hall. Jets nailed the draft. Uh, Jaguars getting Devin Lloyd at 27. Uh, again, I know linebacker positional value-wise is kind of falling. It's kind of like safeties at this point. I had him going no lower than 21 past New England ever in my mocks. I thought he was definitely number one. Um, this is a steal for Jacksonville. I think it just it just helps them so much. You know, they got their edge and they got a linebacker. I love this two. I love these two picks. As long as Trayvon Walker pans out, I think they nailed these two picks. I obviously, if they would have had Hutchinson and Lloyd, we'd be talking about Jacksonville having the best draft. I think we really would. Um, but Trayvon Walker is such a big, big if right now. It, you can't say Jacksonville had a great draft. I think they potentially could. Um, but yeah, Jags getting Lloyd and then Eagles getting Nicobe Dean at eighty three. Insanity. Insanity. Can we look up right here? Actually, let's see. Um, I wonder if we can let's try to count 2022 NFL draft. I should have looked this up before, but it's my podcast. We got all day, even though it's a nightcast. I mean, got all night to do this. So let's uh, player selections. So Devin Lloyd was the first linebacker off the board. No, it wasn't. It was Quay Walker, actually, from Georgia. Again, I thought Green Bay, they should have gone Devin Lloyd. But so Green Bay goes Quay, who I think has a ton of upside too. I think he'd be very good. So let's look at Shirk. Maybe there wasn't a lot of linebackers, so two ahead of him, and I had him as my second. Uh, Troy Anderson, obviously a freak athlete. He goes ahead of him. The size was the issue, I think. So there's three. Uh, no, Benito's more of an edge. Hmm, Brian Osamoa. Six one. Okay, so he is. So Osamoa from Oklahoma goes before so there's four Chad Muma there's five Christian Harris there's six so and D'Angelo Malone right before him from oh wait hold on is Malone an edge or is he an actual linebacker okay I think he's an actual linebacker six so six guys six or seven linebackers went before him that's crazy because of his size that's it I go off of how good you are I know he's only 5'11 225 but Come on. That's insane that six or seven linebackers went ahead of him. Utter steal by the Eagles. Eagles had a great draft as well. Top three biggest reaches. Um, Trayvon Walker at one. Because if I would have gone off what I was doing again, I would have... He probably still would have went... He would have definitely still went top seven because I think the Giants would have taken him. Just to me, I think Hutchinson and Thibodeau are so much better. I think it's a huge reach. Um, I really do, sadly. Uh, but who knows? I might be wrong. In four years, he might be better. Hutchinson and Thibodeau might not. They might be average, and he might be the best edge rusher in the NFL. Who knows? I just think it's a reach. Redskins taking Jahan Dotson at 16. 
again, for me, I knew Dotson was going to go round one. I didn't understand the hype completely. Not going to lie. I liked, uh, I would have taken Burks, Watson, or John Mechie over him. Um, so I thought it was a reach in mine. I had him as a mid to, I had him as a, you know, probably mid second round grade. So I thought it was a reach taking him at 16. Obviously, I mean, like I said, you never know. These NFL teams see something different. <laughs> like the third biggest reach, Patch taking Cole Strange at 29. A lot of people had him in the third, fourth round. Pat saw something different. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, Walker at one, Dotson at 16. I had a second round grade. Strange, I had him in my late. Actually, I had him in my three round mock in the third, at the end of the third round. Recently deleted. Um,. Okay, so scroll down. Okay, nope. Scroll down. I want to go to my three round. I'm trying to look. Yeah, I had Cole Strange going 93. That would be in the third round. In my last mo- in my last three round mock draft. And he went 29. I'd call that a reach. That was my also my biggest head-scratching move was the Pats taking Cole Strange. Almost went with the Cowboys taking Tyler Smith. Did not like that pick. Didn't like it at all. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute, though. But I'm going Cole Strange just because I think... I know Tyler Smith was going to go in round... Tyler Smith was a round two guy. Cole Strange was a round three or round four. I know, like, Kuyper and them, they thought round four. Day three guy. So that was my biggest head-scratching move. Biggest surprise, for better or worse, was definitely Jermaine Johnson falling to 26. I mean, that was shocking. That was shocking that he fell. When he was falling, I was like... I mean, I know the Cowboys wanted O-line, but damn, man. We also need an edge. I'm not sold on their edges. Outside of even, even I'm, not, I'm a little not sold on Tank Lawrence. So, like, I would have loved Jermaine Johnson. I don't know if there's been a story out there to why he fell. Like, was it, I don't know if there's a medical issue or something, but geez. I know there's just sometimes guys fall because, you know, it just happens, but... Crazy. Uh, biggest boomer bust pick. We've talked about these three already. Trayvon Walker at one is the biggest boomer bust. He could boom or he could really bust to me because he, he has so much developing to do. Drake London. Again, a guy I think that has a lot of developing to do and he has Marcus Mariota as his quarterback. That's tough. Jahan Dotson. Again, at 16 to the Redskins. I thought, I thought there were three receivers. You could even argue Sky Moore. Four better receivers than him. Um... Um, so yeah, I, I I thought that I thought those three would be those are the biggest boomer bust picks: Dotson, London, and uh, Trayvon Walker. A top ten pick that got drafted into the best fit. We kind of went over this, but it's still Aiden Hutchinson for me. I think it was the best fit, dude. Staying in Michigan, their defense is not that bad. He's going to come in immediately and play his role. You know, he comes in eight to ten sacks his first year. I think that's doable for him. And I just the way that Dan Campbell coaches, you can. You can hate the way he acts and stuff, and you can hate the way he coaches, but I think he's a perfect fit for Detroit. I think he, I think he fits the way Detroit football hard nose. I think is the way they want to play, and that's Dan Campbell, and that's Aiden Hutchinson. I think it's just the best fit by far. Uh, will teams regret on um, passing any of these quarterbacks? So again, um, I I love I probably I probably scout and watch tape on the quarterbacks more than any position. I did have three going in the first round. Obviously, I was wrong. No one, I think no one went to round three. Um, I'm going to say no. 
because of how good the class is next year. Um, because I think I honestly think the top five, you could even argue six, seven, eight guys, are better prospects in next year's draft than the than the first best being Pickett or Willis. I think all those seven, eight guys are better quarterback prospects. I think next quarterback next quarterback draft is gonna be insane. I think seven guys in the first round. And then I think you're going to have a lot in the second and third. You're going to have a lot of teams drafting quarterbacks. I think it's such it's going to be an outrageous talent class next year for quarterback. So I'm going to say no that they won't because I think, you know, we'll go over it in a minute. Um, you know, we'll go we'll go into it now and we'll kind of come back to this question. A QB that has the best chance to succeed right now long term. I had Pickett, I would honestly say Pickett was probably my fourth quarterback. Um, I think he's more I think he has the best chance to succeed right now cuz it's Pittsburgh. You know, really good team, ready to win. So I think he has the best chance right now. I'll say Malik Willis long term because I do think Tennessee is a good franchise. But I th- and I think at some point, whether it's this year, next year, or down the road, he will take over Tannehill's job and he will be a good football player. Um, will any of these guys be franchise quarterbacks? Now you see the system they're in. I think Corral went to the correct system. I had him. Mo- I had him mocked a bunch of times to Carolina. Because they run kind of a college-like system, a lot of RPOs and stuff, and that's what he runs. That's what he ran in college. So I think that's the best fit. I'm telling you, Sam Darnold sucks, and they start off 0-3, 0-4. He's going to be thrown in there. He will be thrown in there. Um, you know, I said early on, you know, Fee will back me on this. We've talked about it. Early on, I said Corral to Carolina was the correct fit for him. I think it was the best fit for him, you know, going into a college-like system. You know, I know there's. It's definitely obviously more developed, and you have to you have to have more re, you have to make more reads and quicker reads in the NFL than college. But I just think going in, it fits him best right now. Um, because what Carson Strong went to Philly. Where did the quarterback? I don't. I gotta look that up real quick. I can't remember where some of the other quarterbacks went. It was just crazy to me that they fell. That I just, I I totally blanked out on where they got picked. I would have taken I, – I thought – because I thought this draft, all these guys had so much work to do, I didn't grade them off of really who's the most NFL ready because I don't think any of them are really NFL ready. So that's why I always had Corral Willis 1-2. I had Sam Howe and then Kenny Pickett. I thought Sam Howe was more ready, to be honest, than him. So let's just go down to the third round. So you had Ritter go 74 to the Falcons. In a lot of these guys' cases, especially for Ritter, you have to hope that Mariota can be decent. I don't think Ritter should step on the football field this year and play quarterback. Corral went to Carolina in round three. Again, perfect fit for him. So is Malik Willis round four? No way. What? Oh, my God. Okay, well, we're getting... I had to have passed him, right? Sam Howell, round five. I had to pass Willis to Washington. Great fit for him because he's not going to have to play this year. Wentz is going to be fine this year, so he's not going to have to play. There's no way I had to pass Willis, right? I mean, there's no way he went round six. I knew Carson Strong would fall. Where are the quarterbacks? I know Bailey Zappi got drafted too. And round seven? No way. I had to have been passing these quarterbacks. This is why this is why you don't come. This is why you don't try to look. Uh, okay, yeah, I definitely did. I definitely did. Steelers took another quarterback. Skylar Thompson went to the Dolphins. Big ups, Kansas State. Okay, I had to have passed it. Was Willis before Ritter? 
Okay, Malik Willis was right after. He was 86 to Tennessee. Again, I like the fit because I don't, I don't think Tannehill, I don't think, I just don't think Tannehill's a good enough quarterback to win you anything. I don't think that he's going to have to play this year, which is good for him. Carson Strong and Zappi went somewhere. I know they did. I think Strong went to Philly and Bailey Zappi went to uh, uh, New England. Bailey Zappi, fourth round in New England out of Western Kentucky. Okay, I know Carson Strong went. There's Sam Howe. Carson Strong had to have been here. I know he got picked. And I'm pretty sure it was by Philly. Okay, we're we're in round six, though. He didn't go early. I just must be blind, guys. Like, really blind. I'm probably getting corner and... He did not go in round two. I know no quarterbacks went in round two. So here's round three. Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, A kicker went in round four. <laughs> oh my goodness, I didn't even notice that. That's crazy. Two punters. How about it? Bailey's out. Okay. Sam Howell. He had to have gone in round five. And I thought he went to Philadelphia. Carson Strong did not go undrafted. To pick Kyron. Nice. I'm looking for Philly because I know it was Philly. I know it was Philly that took him. Philadelphia there again. What? He did not go undrafted. (laughs) Sorry, guys. This is pissing me off now. Carson Strong. I wanted to find him there so bad. Quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I was right on that. What round was he drafted? Oh, it's not telling me what round he was drafted. This game pissed me off. Are you not going to tell me when he was drafted? Undrafted? What? It's the mobility. It's the mobility. He went undrafted. Insane. <laughs> Insane. I can't believe all those quarterbacks went ahead of him. It has to be the mobility thing. That's why I said it was his problem. Wow. Okay. So let's go uh, grade the Cowboys draft. Again, go to the go to the thing. I don't think I, I, I was emotional about it because I thought the first round pick really pissed me off. And I was emotional about, I told Feet the Cowboys would finish last in the NFC East. I don't believe that 100% because the Cowboys still have the best quarterback in the NFC East. And that makes, that's a whole Dallas Cowboys. Twenty twenty two draft picks. Again, Tyler Smith in round one, I gave a D. I thought it was bad. I really did. I thought awful, awful, awful when Linderbaum was there. So, I like Sam Williams. I gave that one a C plus. So as of right now, I'd say we have about a D plus draft to C minus. 
I love Jalen Tolbert. That brings it up to a C plus for me. Jalen Tolbert was a great pick. I think he's going to be a stud. I love Jake Ferguson, the tight end out of Wisconsin. Um, so I'll say we're at a B minus. I'm going to say, you know, I know the offensive tackle is supposed to not be bad. The linebackers are not terrible either. Ridgeway was surprising to get in round five. A lot of people had him in three to four. I'm going to give it a C. You know, I'm going to give it a C minus. I really don't know because I think we we drafted the first round pick always matters the most, especially when you only have one. The first round pick matters the most. I'm going to give it a C minus because I think we went boomer bust on Tyler Smith. He's so raw and he's not ready to play and we needed a guy ready to play and Linderbaum was sitting there. So, okay, like I said, let's go. He said Cowboys best and worst pick. Best was Jalen Tolbert at 88. I think he's going to come in and be an immediate starter. I think he'll be, him and James Washington are going to fight it out for that second spot with Michael Gallup being out for eight weeks. Uh, Tyler Smith at 24 because, you know, let's say you wanted to go receiver early. You could have went Christian Watson. Let's say you wanted to go on the defensive side, edge or linebacker. Devin Lloyd and Jermaine Johnson were there. And then obviously Tyler Linderbaum was there at 24. Rank the NFC's post-draft. I still think the Cowboys, the Cowboys defense is going to still be very good. They were good last year. I think they stay in the top 10. I'm worried about the weapons. I'm a little worried about the O-line. I think running back's fine. Even if Zeke's okay, I think Pollard's spectacular. I still think the Cowboys should be one. But it is very tight, one through four, I think. I really think you go either way. I think they're going to have two teams. You're, I think you're honestly going to have a team. I don't think, uh, I think the Giants probably, if Daniel Jones doesn't figure it out, Giants probably finish dead last and by a wide margin. And then I think Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins literally could be separated by a game each way. I do. I think ten and seven or nine and eight wins the division. And I think let's say the Cowboys win at ten and seven. I think the Eagles and Redskins are around nine and eight, eight and nine. I really do. Uh, it's gonna be a lot tougher this year because I think we got worse, but the gap was wide in my opinion. And the Eagles, Redskins, and Giants to me all got better. Does this draft prove the Titans are tanking? Not right now. I don't think they're tanking necessarily. I think they had they were kind of in a Chiefs situation. AJ Brown wasn't gonna play, and. A guy who really has, he last year, big injury concerns. Did you want to pay him $100 million? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have paid him $100 million. And that's the thing. Also, the thing about giving Tannehill so much money. It was, it was kind of the same thing as they offered him, I think they offered him 18 or 20, 18 to 20 a year. He was set on the 24 to 26 mark. You know, um, that's what happened. <laughs> That's what happens when you pay quarterbacks. Chiefs wanted Hill to stay at 25. He wanted 30. It just is what it is. It does show 10 Hill's days are numbered. I think if he has, if the, and I don't think they're, we'll get, I had a, I'll have a next podcast. I'll have a, a way too early prediction for how I think the divisions are going to finish. And I Spoiler, I don't think the Titans will be in my playoffs. And I think that's why next year, I think he'll get it. I think he'll get a full season. I think next year Malik Willis has the job, though, after a year. Thoughts on the A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown trades? A.J. Brown, great move by the Eagles who are in win now. It's all about the health. It's, it's, it's high risk, high reward. If he's healthy, he's a tremendous receiver. It's a good move. They're in win now mode, obviously. Giant step back for the Titans. Robert Woods and Traylon Brooks are your top two. A.J. Brown definitely better than them. But, again, we'll see how it comes. It's going to come down to the health of A.J. Brown. Uh, Hollywood, cards, Cardinals made Kyler happy with getting another weapon. You know, they lost Christian Kirk. He fills that spot. He immediately fills the Christian Kirk spot. 
Uh, Ravens need to sign one of those veteran receivers, though. I didn't mind what the Ravens did, getting a first-round pick for Hollywood. You know? And we got... Cowboys got a fifth-rounder, whatever it was, for Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, I know the age is like four years, three years, but... Amari Cooper, I think, so has two to three years left to being really good. We got a sixth-rounder, and they got a first for Hollywood. I would have taken that, too. If the Cardinals said, give us... If you give us Hollywood and a third, we'll give you our first. I would have said immediately, yes. I'm definitely doing that. Okay, so let's just get into my way-too-early top 15 NFL mock. Huh? At pick one, the Atlanta Falcons. I have them taking C.J. Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio State. I don't think Desmond Ritter is a solution. I didn't like him. Uh, I did have him at five, uh, but I still not huge on him. I think Stroud's going to be unreal. Texans at two. I think they're going to realize Davis Mills is a good game manager, that he's not let's go win Super Bowls type guy, franchise guy. So Bryce Young at two to Houston. Easily. Uh, Lions. Last year of the golf deal. They can get off the golf contract after this year with no cap penalty, I, I believe. So I go Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback out of Miami. I love him a lot. Um, I think he's going to have an even better year than he did last year, and I think that's who they take at three. Now probably the best player in this class, Seattle. Yeah, you could argue Seattle needs to go quarterback. We'll see. Um, Will Anderson, though, you can't pass on him here at four. Will Anderson, the edge out of Alabama. Probably the best player in college football last year. Probably will be again this year, and he probably will be the best player in this draft. Uh, Jets. Didn't necessarily address tackle, so Paris Johnson out of Ohio State here at five. I think he, you know he he is a lot he has a lot to prove this year. He was good last year. I think he's going to be unreal this year. I think he's going to be the best tackle in college football, and that's why they get him. Jags, um, obviously got their edge again. I don't know if the, you know you could argue they could go receiver here, but they paid a lot to receiver. So I'm going Jalen Carter, who people have said is was the best defensive player for the uh, Georgia defense last year. He obviously can't come out because he was a he was a I believe he was a redshirt freshman. So Jalen Carter here at six to the Jags. Carolina, I know they drafted Corral. And people are saying, how can you take quarterback here? Well, I still don't think, even though they drafted Corral, I don't think Carolina's going to be good next year. So it's going to be a new coach. And will he? Will Corral fit his system? Most likely not, because not a lot of people run that college uh, system that Carolina runs. So Anthony Richardson out of Florida, who could end up being the third quarterback. He has all the tools. He's big, athletic, can run, has a huge arm. Accuracy is a problem. Got to fix that this year at Florida. Carolina gets him at seven. At eight, Bears. They should have addressed receiver this year, but we'll say, you know, let's address it now. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, who would have been the number one wide receiver in this class. As a as a redshirt freshman, he would have been the number one wide receiver in this class. Over Garrett Wilson and Olave. Over Drake London. He would have been that guy. He's unreal. Bears, go get your guy for Justin Fields next year. Uh, Giants, again, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to work out. They, It's a it's a prove-it year. If Danny comes out and they make the playoffs and he looks really good, they'll sign him to an extension. I'm going to bet against that. So I'm going to say Giants take Will Levis, the quarterback out of uh, Kentucky. So there's my fifth quarterback in the top nine. I do not have any the rest of the way. But, again, I think you're going to see you're going to see five to seven guys in the first round next year. Washington, D-lineman uh, Brian Breesey out of Clemson. Unreal talent. Um just can't pass up on that guy to help your D-line. Your D-line's kind of, it used to be like, holy holy shit, the Redskins have an unbelievable D-line. Now it's kind of falling off a little bit. Brian Breesey helps. Steelers, got your quarterback in picket. Now you take Peter Skoronsky, the tackle out of Northwestern. Again, I think he has the potential to be the number one tackle in this class. So Pittsburgh, get your protection for Pickett. Uh, Minnesota, Thielen getting a little older. 
Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of Pitt, who could now possibly play for Texas or USC. He's in the portal. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you pair, pair Jordan Addison with Justin. Uh, oh, my goodness, he's blanked on his name. Justin Jefferson. Good Lord. Justin Jefferson and Jordan Adams. Love that. Eagles. I think corner. You know, I think that they, they can address corner here. Um, I think they're okay with their corners next year, but they'll get older. Antonio Johnson, the corner of Texas A&M, tremendous fit. Uh, Raiders, I think they address D-line here. Uh, uh, Jacqueline Roy, the D-lineman out of LSU. Raiders keep building up that defensive line. I think it'll be really good for them. And Miami, first-round pick next year. They, I don't think they picked to around three this last year. I got them taking B. John Robinson, the running back out of Texas, who could honestly possibly be the best player in this class as well. So there we go. That was my way too early. Let's discuss some NBA. So we're going to discuss each series with the biggest question in each series and how I think the series ends. So the Heat are up 2-0 on this Philadelphia 76ers. So the biggest question for me is, are Philly done if Embiid can't come back for Game 3? Well, it looks like he won't be back. So yes, because I don't think they can win without him. James Harden just can't. doesn't seem to be that guy. Now if Philly can win game three and then he get him for game four and they win, then we get a series on our hands. I just don't see them winning game three if Embiid's not playing. And it looks like right now he's probably not. So yeah, I think that series is over. Um I hate saying four oh, <laughs> but I kinda see four oh. If we okay, let's just say Embiid so Embiid's probably not playing tomorrow. Let's say he plays game four. I'll give my I'll give Philly that game. I don't think they I think they come out with pride, don't get swept. Miami wins it in five. Embiid doesn't play at all, it's done in four. Um, I just don't see how they're just not better. They're not better than uh than Miami. You know, I think it's funny. Everyone's talking about the Bucks and the Celtics. Wonder that's going to the finals. Be careful what you wish for. I think Miami. I think Miami can definitely get to the finals. I think they're as good as uh, Milwaukee and Boston. I think they are. I really do. Celtics and Bucks tied up one one. Big big uh, big win by Boston. Had to win it. Can't go down two zero heading to Milwaukee. Um, so I think the biggest question will the Bucks be able to stick to their guns and allow the Celtics to shoot threes? So the Bucks defenses. It's weird because uh, Boston. Game one made 17 threes. And they lost by double figures, right? Um, so the Bucks' philosophy is really, they want you, they're going to protect the mid-range. Um, uh, they're going to protect the mid-range. So they scored 89 points. They beat him by 23, though, in game one. Or game two, which was huge. I want to say they made... I'm pretty sure they made 17 threes. Let's look at it. Box score. Not box score. Team stats. 18 threes they made. They made. They shot 50 threes. This is what Milwaukee does. They shot 50 threes, made 18. So 54 of their 89 came from three. It didn't pan out because they couldn't do anything in the paint. Out-rebounded by six. 
their field goal percentage was 33%. That's why they lost. Because Milwaukee literally says, we're going to stop you from scoring in the mid-range, and we're going to stop you from scoring in the paint. Um, and we're going to let you shoot threes. And sometimes that works, and sometimes that doesn't. Now in game three, Boston was a lot better. A lot better. They actually only they made 23s, but they shot 46%, and they ended up shooting 47% from the field, which was huge. They also were able to out-rebound Milwaukee by three. They were uh, able, they moved the ball a lot better, 28 assists to the 16. They had 10 steals and five blocks. Um, turnovers were fairly even. Actually, Milwaukee won off points off turnovers. Points in the paint, obviously 54 to 24, but again, th- that's Milwaukee. So the question is, will they be able to get away with this? <sighs> you know, it, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be a, it's they're going seven. I think the series going seven. I picked Bucks in seven, I believe. They're going to stick to their guns, whether it works or not, is the big question. I think Milwaukee is just going to be good enough to win this series in seven. I do, but I don't know. The three scare me. They made eighteen and twenty. It's all going to depend on because they made eighteen in game one, but couldn't shoot anything in the mid range in the paint. They made twenty in game. Too, but we're also able to score in the mid-range in the paint. That's going to be, if Milwaukee, obviously we've seen if Milwaukee gives up, if they can give up 18 threes and nothing inside of three-point range, they're going to win. So it's all going to be on Milwaukee. In a way, it's not going to really be about the threes because they've shown that they can win by giving up 18 threes. You give up 18 three-pointers, you normally lose. They've shown they can win doing that, but they now have to be able to consistently stop Boston from getting in the paint and shooting the mid-range. I'm going to say Heat went in four. on So the Embiid one, if Embiid's back in game four, they'll win that one. Again, I don't know, though. I kind of just want to say Heat in four. I'm going to say Heat in four, and I'm going to say Bucks in seven still. Warriors-Grizz won one in the physical series. Really the biggest question is which team wears down first. Um, Dylan Brooks suspended for game three. Uh, I think uh, they, they're fine. They, they were okay without him. They won without him. He got, he got ejected early. Um. It's really which team wears down. And here's the thing I worry about. This is how Memphis has played all year. This is not how Golden State plays. This is, yeah, they have Draymond Green. They don't play. They don't play this physical basketball. They're more finesse team. That is, I don't understand. I can't believe that I didn't spot this sooner. That it's going to be that physical. I'm leaning Grizzlies in six or and seven. I really don't want to go away from the Warriors because the experience is also there. I'm going to stick Warriors in seven, but I am not even close to sold on it because people are saying, you know, Memphis is going to, they're not going to be able to do this all series. You know, they're going to get tired at some point. Well, they've done this all year. This has been Memphis, physical basketball. This has been them all year. So how can we say they're going to wear down now? I think it's just the way they play and they love it. I'm going to stay Warriors in seven, but I am so far sold. I'm, I'm the farthest you can be to going to picking the Grizzlies that you can be, but I'm going to stay Warriors in seven for now. Suns and Mavs. Will Luka run out of injury with how the Suns are attacking him? That's the biggest question. He's going to get his, and they they understand that. I think the Suns really understand that Luka's going to get at least 30, you know, sometimes 45s. Um, they're picking him out on defense, though. They're running the pick and roll to get him involved, and it's it's showing. That's his weakness, obviously, his defense. That's just it's how it is. He's not as he's not as athletic as these guys. He can't move his feet as good as them defensively. 
Mavs better win game three. The Suns will bury him if it gets to game four. They're going to say they're not following us home. I'm going to say Suns in five. That was my pick originally, Suns in five. I'm going to stick with that. I think the Mavs get, get game three. So let's go into some combat sports headlines and discussions. Bug Crawford says he's not negotiating any other fights besides Spence. Thank you, Bug Crawford, because I've heard that Spence's uh, camp has been talking to other guys potentially. I Please know. November, December, let's get Bug Crawford, Earl Spence. That's the what we should get. Jake Paul is back August 13th, opponent to be announced. But the rumor is, is what I've, I've read, I've watched three videos now of people that are saying they, they have some inside information that it will be Tommy Fury. Jake's out of options. Here's the thing about Jake. He keeps calling out all these UFC guys. Well, you, it's funny because he's not calling out the one UFC legend that is not under UFC contract, Nander Silva. It's kind of ironic that he's calling out Connor, Nate, Jorge, whoever, that are under contract. He knows they can't get, they can't get out. He knows that Dana White's not playing ball with you. I think it's just ironic. I think he wants to be the tough guy. But I'm seeing through it. I think he knows that he's running out of options. So he's got to go to Tommy Fury because he's out of options. He's not getting Connor, Jorge, Nate right now. You know, if Nate's getting Hamzat, then maybe then at some point he gets Nate. Maybe he gets Nate late this year or early next year. Awesome. Connor and Jorge are making life-changing money in the UFC. They don't need you. Connor sold his business for six hundred million dollars, made hundred and fifty million for a Mayweather fight, makes damn at least fifty million a fight in the UFC. I I said it. You gotta come with two hundred mil if you want to get Connor out of bed. He's got life changing money. He's fine. He's fighting to get back on track and get and get his reputation back on track. That's why he's fighting right now. He's not worried about a a fucking boxing match with Jake Paul. He's not worried about that. You're going to have to fight Tommy Fury now because now really Jake's only hope is the Nate Diaz fight if he wants to keep fighting these UFC guys in big names. Because after Tommy Fury, hopefully you got to hope Nate's out of his contract. All right, really, KSI is fighting August 27th. If KSI wins, I think that's the, that's the next option if Nate's not over the contract. He's not going to fight real, like, good boxers. Tommy Fury's 7-0, and 8-0, and has looked like shit his last three fights. You know? We'll see. Canelo, Bivol, who wins? Bivol's so good. He is so good. I... Bivol. 31. 6 foot. 19 and 0. Fighting Canelo, Saul. I will say he has not beaten anybody of notice for me. Obviously, I don't know like the, uh, I don't know like the true prospects really. Um, I'm definitely not a casual in boxing, but you can know boxing because really the big fights are the ones that matter in boxing. In May, all the fights matter to me. So he's six foot. This will be contested at lightweight, right? Light, no, light heavyweight, 175, I believe. So, he's 19-0, 72-inch reach, 
six foot orthodox fighter, light heavyweight. I believe that that is one seventy five. Saul is five eight with a seventy. He's got a long reach. My God, they're the same age. I think Bivol was an Olympic type boxer, so that's why he's fought. I mean, dude, Canelo though. Caleb Plant, Billy Joe Saunders, Yildirim, Callum Smith, Sergey Kovalev, Danny Jacobs, Rocker, Rocky Fielding, Triple G twice, Chavez Jr., Liam Smith, Amir Khan, Miguel Cotto, Floyd Mayweather, Shane Mosley. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, goodness, goodness. This is going to be incredible. I think Canelo gets it done. Miguel Cotto. Canelo has fought the who's who of the sport, my word. I think Canelo gets it done. I think it's going to be tougher than people think. I think he gets it done via decision. I think he's going to have to use slick boxing, not look for the power punches as much to not overextend himself and let a bigger guy hit him. I mean, six foot five eight. Only a one and a half inch reach, though. That's incredible. They're the same age. Canelo has 60 fights. 57, one and two. Two draws, one lost to Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I'm going to go Canelo. I'm going to go Canelo via decision. Uh, in May, July 2nd, plans are leaked. So, uh, Dana White was on a podcast with Brian Clark, and they did it in the war room. I'm going to grab a drink real quick. They did it in the war room. And uh, some people were able to pause the video and zoom in on the upcoming fights. You had John Jones, Stipe in July, July 30th, which I think will be moved. Possible Connor return. Keep out for that. Because I think John and Stipe is going to be moved to September. Um, now that we know, though, the main event was scheduled to be Izzy Kanir, which would still be the main event, but we do know today, Max Holloway, Volkanovski 3 will be on the July 2nd card as well. They also had Hamzat and Nate Diaz on that card. They're like, all right, Nate, you want to leave? We'll send you out with hell. And then also Sean O'Malley versus Pedro Munoz, which that has been confirmed on that card. So as of right now, I think you're going to get Izzy Kanir main event. Volk, Holloway 3 co-main event. You're going to get O'Malley, Munoz on the card. And then they're still trying to work out Hamza and Nate Diaz on that card. So incredible. Incredible card that is. So let's get into some UFC 274. I'm so pumped for this card. The last three fights. This is what I live for. I live for the NFL Draft. March Madness. LeBron James. Conor McGregor. Big time soccer. Love soccer. So into soccer. And big time UFC. I'm into I'm into combat sports anyways, all of it, but this card though. Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon, and a pro and a, what Dana said is a loser leaves town match. The loser will probably have to be retired. I think both guys should retire at the end of this one. Uh Joe Lozon, obviously he was known as a grappler. Uh, he got a lot better at striking throughout his career. If you're Donald, using kicks, keeping the distance, you want to keep the fight standing, don't want to go to the ground. No Cerrone's damn good on the ground himself, but you don't want to go to the ground with Joe Lozon. I think if Cerrone keeps his standing, his mind's right. Should be no problem with him winning. Um, I love this fight, though. Two legends of the sport. Um, yeah, the great fight. I think, like I said, Lozon's going to... Lozon, he can he can put guys to sleep. It has happened. He has knocked guys out. But he's going to want to get Donald to the ground. And Donald's going to want to keep this fight standing. Use his kicks. Use every weapon in the art in, that he has. Keep this fight standing. Shogun OSP. Another just... Shogun still fighting. I mean, it depends what Shogun shows up, really. You know, I think, you know, it's... I think OSP could get this to the ground. He's a lot He's a lot bigger. So he could get this fight to the ground, but I think it's going to be mainly striking, and it's going to be power with power. Who can land the big shot first, to be honest? That's how this fight's going to go. 
Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. My goodness. I am not the biggest Tony Ferguson fan. I've never been. I've never been a hater of Tony, but I've never been his biggest fan. Um, Tony has talked about wanting to get this to the ground, which I don't think is a bad idea. It's going to be tough to take Chandler down. And I don't know if pulling guard is a great option because then the ground and pound comes in. Because I think Tony's definitely better at submissions. Chandler's probably a better wrestler. Tony's better jiu-jitsu. I think this fight is standing. It's going to be fire with fire again. Who lands the big one? Who lands the big one first, I think, and this one is going to win. I don't see... These first three fights, I do not see going to the scorecards. No way. I don't think I have them going to scorecards. I do not. And then Rose Namajunas, Carlos Barza. They fought for the... uh, the first ever women's strawweight title way back, and Esparza beat her. Rose obviously had has had a crazy climb, and she's the best. She's the best at one fifteen. Esparza's worked her way back, so here's a rematch. Tougher, ma- it's a difficult matchup. I just think Rose is so much better now. I think Esparza is still very good. I think Rose is just so much better now. Rose is going to use her kicks, feints. She's going to keep it on the outside. I think she's going to pick her apart. I think she either finishes her with something like a kicker or something like that, or it goes all five and she wins the decision probably. Olivera Gaethje. I mean, this card is just unreal. I mean, Olivera Gaethje, fire with fire. I've said it multiple times. We're going fire with fire. It's all going to be about Olivera gets touched. He does get touched. Will he be... He he was able to withstand Michael Chandler's power, right? Will he be able to adjust in Gaethje's? I think that Michael Chandler hits harder than Gaethje. But here's the thing. It's not always who hits the hardest. Who hits the cleanest? I think Gaethje's boxing is cleaner. So if he's, if he's hitting him with clean punches instead of wild, wild punches, that's the difference. Oliver's going to want to make this. He's going to want to drag it out if he can. You know, I know he's finished the last two in round two, but Gaethje's not going to go away. Um, and I think Oliver's going to want to drag this out and hopefully get him to the ground, get his back. But this is going to be unreal. Uh, for Oliver, like I said, it's going to be about you got to see the punches coming. To not, you know, see the punches coming, keep your distance, find a way to get in the clinch. And for Gacy, it's, it's stay at striking range and land blows. That's what it is for Gacy, to be honest. So here, oh yeah, we'll get to the, we'll do the odds. Um, Here, we'll go over bets I would make first. So my lock parlay, I've locked this in. Um, I actually added, I did another, wait, yeah. This is my lock parlay. Donald Cerrone to win, just to win the fight. Michael Chandler, he's such a big favorite. I went Michael Chandler to win by KO, TKO, and Rose Namajunas to win. It was plus 341. 50 to win 170 is what I put. Uh, if you, and it, I'm not saying I'm doing this. I'm really thinking about it. Pub parlay, if you like a little puppy parlay. Um, I probably will throw 20 on it just because I like it so much. Justin Gaethje and Macy Chase on are dogs, plus 572, 20 to win 114. I like that one a lot. Um, so let's look up UFC 274 odds, and then we'll get into the fan fight picks to close out this episode of Kyler Burrell's unedited podcast, UFC 274 odds, god this fight card just is ridiculous, I can't wait, we're going off Bovada of course, that's what I bet on, I guess I could just went to Bovada, but I don't want to sign to my account right now, so Charles Oliveira, or we'll go from, we'll go from the fights we're picking, so Norma, Norma Dumont versus Macy Chieson, Dumont is minus 230 to Chieson's plus 180, that was the puppy parlay, um, Randy Brown and Chaos Williams. Randy Brown plus 100, Chaos Williams minus 120, damn near a pick em. That's going to be a good one. Uh, Donald Cerrone, Joe Lozon. Cer- uh, Cerrone minus 170, Lozon plus 145. 
OSP Shogun, OSP minus 250 Shogun plus 185. This is the age thing for sure. Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. Michael Chandler looks like for the main portion of the fights, because Andre Filao is minus 450. This is He's one of the biggest favorites in the card. Minus 425, Michael Chandler, plus 295, Tony Ferguson. Rose Nama Yunus, Carlos Esparza. Rose minus 220, Esparza plus 175. I think those are fair odds. And then the main event, I thought they'd be closer. Oliveira minus 170, Gaethje plus 140. I'm not betting on that fight. I left that one out of any bets. I don't know. I, I, it's going to be tough. Uh, but those are the odds. Now let's get into the fan fight picks. We'll go. Oh shoot! We'll go over the standings real quick. It's a Christian, my cousin Christian, kind of falling off on this one. You know, he's in fourth with forty-two points. My dad and brother are tied for second with fifty-five points, and I'm on top with only fifty-six points. It is a one-point gap between one and two. Christian needs a big card. Again, this one. We start, you know, we start after the third pay-per-view, so there's a lot of fight nights in between, so this one's dragging out. We still got till this isn't the last one. We still have one more pay-per-view to do before this one closes, so still a lot of, a lot of stuff to do. A lot of fights to be played out, so it is not over. A 14-point gap can be erased if he hits a seven-pointer, and then he hits some fours or some, you know, and something like that. He can get within, he could, hell, he could be within seven or six points by the end of the night. So the first one is Norma Dumont, Macy Chason. Uh, my brother went is the only one that went with Macy Chason via decision. Me, my dad, and my cousin went Dumont via decision. Uh, Chaos Williams against Randy Brown. My dad went Randy Brown via decision. Uh, my cousin went Ra- Chaos Williams via decision. Me and my brother both went Chaos Williams round two, KO slash TKO. Now for the main card, Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. Uh, Christian picked Cowboy via decision, as well as my brother. He also picked Cowboy decision. My dad and me both picked Cowboy round one knockout. Let's go. Cowboy, baby. Uh, OSP against uh, Shogun. Everyone with... Oh, no, my brother went Shogun decision. Uh, my dad went OSP round one. I went OSP... So they, my dad and Christian went OSP round one knockout. I went OSP round one sub. I think he submits him. I think he drops him and then gets him in a choke. Chandler, this is this is unanimous across the board. Oh, it's not unanimous. I forgot it's not unanimous. Me, my dad, and my brother picked Chandler round one knockout. My cousin Christian, big Tony fan. I respect him for this. I want. I'm kind of rooting for Tony in a way because I think it'd be hilarious and it would shake shake some shit up. He went Tony round two knockout. Bold and I respect it. He's got to go bold though. He hits a seven pointer there. We all get none. Rose, we all went Rose over uh, Asparza. Uh, me, my dad, and Christian went decision. My brother went round two knockout. Oliveira Gaethje. My dad went Gaethje round one knockout. My cousin Christian went Oliveira round four sub. My brother went round three KOTKO. I went round two sub for Oliveira. I'm sticking with it. Two straight finishes. You got a knockout in the second round. You got a submission in the second round. I'm going to stick to the second round. Or is the third round against... Might have been the third round against Poirier. Fuck. We're still going second round submission for Oliveira. Cannot wait for these fights. Saturday live on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Uh, this is a great card. These five fights are going to be crazy. You know, I think the only one that could be not as action-packed is the is the Rose-Esparza fight because of the styles. I think that could go all five. I don't see how any of the other four go anywhere close to the scorecards. Maybe Gaethje Oliveira goes late because it's a war and they're both so tough and somebody gets a finish late. Unreal card. But yeah, we'll be back next week to review this. UFC 274. Talk NBA playoffs, of course. We'll have Fee's segment back. Um, we're going to get in some NBA mock as well. You know, NBA mock, NBA draft up next. 
And, uh, yeah, cannot wait to be back next week. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.